Less than 24 hours, Georgians will be under a shelter-in-place order. McDonald, though, said he did not know the man was handcuffed and was trying to use his foot to pin him to the ground so he could be handcuffed. If your friends, neighbors, or local organizations are not complying, report them to us. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Free Georgia Podcast. My name is Jake Green. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, if you find this podcast interesting, if you want to learn more about anything we talk about today, if you want to learn more about the Libertarian Party of Georgia, um, please go visit lpgeorgia.com. We have tons of resources on there. We have um, all the information you could possibly want. We have a whole team of people that are willing and able to answer your questions. Um, so yeah, go to lpgeorgia.com. You can also follow us on Rumble, Instagram, Facebook, Odyssey, basically anywhere, anywhere you can listen to a podcast or watch a video. So uh, make sure you go do that. Um, today, I have a guest, Mr. Aaron Bowman. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for joining. Um, yeah. So for those who don't know who you are, can you just give a brief intro to, to what you do? Yeah, so uh, obviously my name is Aaron Bowman. I have a pretty diverse background, I guess you could say. Um, a lot of years, I retired from the Air Force in 2016. I've had uh, just about 19 years in law enforcement. And um, within the last three years, four years now, I've really gotten into just being more self-governing, more self-custody, um, not necessarily living outside of everything that we have currently, but just being more aware of uh, myself and how I want to be governed. So that kind of with the pandemic that came on um, kind of led me down the road of how can I do things without the tyrannical overreach of the government coming down on me. And that led me down the path of uh, unincorporated associations or the really sexy term of private membership associations. So uh, after doing a bunch of reading and studying and court opinions and legalese and just really diving into it, we set up uh, a PMA here out in uh, Connecticut, and we've been going strong for uh, two and a half years now, I think is what it's been. But um, yeah, so that's kind of it in a nutshell. And uh, Nice. Nice. That sounds, I mean, reading through legalese and court documents and stuff sounds like the most boring thing on earth. Oh, it's the best Friday night ever. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so was it, was it like the pandemic and the lockdowns and everything that sparked this interest or was, were you already leaning that direction beforehand? Well, I've always one been into like our history as a country and what, and how the founding fathers wanted certain things or how they wrote it. And we've really done a great job of destroying everything they've done for us. And, you know, obviously up until the pandemic, they were pretty much, you know, we'll say it free to do what you want to a certain extent. And when the whole pandemic happened and lockdowns started happening and I was told that I couldn't go see my mother because, you know, I could get her sick. I was like, that's the most ridiculous thing. I've got five kids. They go to school. It's like going to a third world country when you go into a school. So they're bringing back all kinds of, you know, some runny noses and coughs every day anyways. So I found that very disheartening. And then I started to get involved with uh, Pam Popper stuff with, you know, make America uh, free again, I think is what her, her thing is. And, you know, I'm in Connecticut, 
you know, we are the constitution state. Unfortunately, we've really lost our roots of where we've come from and we're completely the other end. And so that really had a hard time getting off the ground, but I ended up meeting some other individuals that are actually uh, two of my trustees now with Liberty house. And we said, Hey, listen, we just need to get together with people. We want to just have this, you know, we called it a freedom festival. We didn't know what else to call it. And we literally threw it together in two weeks and it was smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. And we had local farmers and vendors come in and people that make their own things and sell stuff. And we threw it together in two weeks in a warehouse space and everybody was getting together and giving high fives and hugs and shaking hands. And it wasn't none of that fist bump or elbow garbage. And we were just, you know, being normal and kids were in the bounce house and we just had a good time. We we're like, all right, there needs to be a way to do this. And to be able to protect ourselves as much as possible. And that's where, you know, we kind of went down the road of the unincorporated associations with the PMAs. And uh, I ended up getting set up with uh, a guy who on the surface seemed to know a lot. And as things progressed, I left that association or that, that group just because some of the things I didn't agree with, which was being said. And uh, we ended up starting Liberty house and we've done everything from, preparedness classes to uh mead making to homeschooling to everything in between so you know it's our, ours is a little bit different our ministry i guess you could call it is more of building a community base and so we have people within our network that we know we can rely on and we try to do it within a relatively close distance so should we have to walk we could get there and we were kind of set up in the surrounding towns around us and we have some members that are a little bit further but it's just one of those things where we get together once a month for some form of Bible study or religious talk. We do the homeschooling. We have a bunch of people right now. I think there's like, I don't know, 14 families going up to Pork Fest in New Hampshire. So that's a big freedom festival up that way. And uh, mm -hmm. so they're going there this week and we've got a couple spots set up. So, you know, it's just, um, it's been a great way to really build a close knit circle of people that I know I can rely on if I need to. Interesting. Can you can you define what a private membership association is for people who don't know? Yeah. So um, a private membership association is basically. All right. How can I put this? So it's a group of like minded people coming together for a common cause. So that could be religious education. Uh, it could be survival based. It could be political based. And Basically, it's let's say you have a handful of people that say, hey, listen, I want to learn how to be more self-reliant. You could start an association that people want to join because they want to learn what others are doing within your association to become more self-reliant. Or maybe it's, you know, I want to run for a political office in town. So we're going to form a association to help run for us like board of ed or something like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, for like, you know, uh, necessarily like survival or, or, uh, any type of like community based, it can be for other things. Um, and basically it's protected by the first and 14th amendment. We have the right of association, the right of freedom of religion, um, free speech and that sort of thing. So what we stand on is, is that we have that right of association. So even if some statute comes out or some, ordinance from a governor comes out and says, Hey, you can't meet more than four people together unless your family members are kind of craziness like that. Like during the pandemic, 
pandemic rather, you can say, no, we have our right of association. You can't infringe on that. So I found that to be very um, important, especially with my family. We're, there's seven of us. So, you know, we all live together under one roof and we wanted to go out to a restaurant. We had to sit at two separate tables. Like it was just crazy because they're like, oh, there's no more than, you know, four at a table. I was like, yeah, but there's seven of us and I'm not splitting up the kids. Like that's just insane to me. So that's where a lot of this kind of started to stem from. And then working with other freedom-minded or self-governing minded individuals and businesses within the area. So, you know, I mean, I've set up associations for people that run farms to coffee shops to um, uh, butchers. And um, I've done it from here in Connecticut all the way out to Hawaii. So they're recognized in the majority of the states. There's certain states that recognize certain things more than others. And um, like, and I'm, you're going to see me looking over here because I have like all my notes so I get everything right because there's just so <laughs> much. There's something that was passed. I believe it was in 96 and it's the Uniform Unincorporated Nonprofit Association Act. And there's like, I think 35 or 40 states that recognize that. And that really just kind of, if you have a nonprofit entity set up, it really just kind of lays out the framework of how each state's going to gonna view them because it's so different from state to state and i think that was one of the biggest things when i got into this is i was told that oh it's the same in every state you can do whatever you want and you can as long as you're not causing a clear and present danger you can do anything and i'm like that doesn't kind of seem right to me because we do have laws in place for the general public and the, the general welfare of our communities so the more i dug into it i was like okay that's really not the case this certain it depends on each state you're in so like some states will look at an unincorporated association or private membership association as a legal entity, which can sue and be sued in other States. They don't. And it, the legal aspect would fall on or the liability aspect rather would fall on the trustees or board of directors, whatever you'd like to call yourself, the people that kind of run the association. Hmm. Interesting. So, so is a PMA like basically organized around a single idea or a single interest? Um, Usually, um, you could have it under a couple different interests, but the way I explain it to people is like, let's say you want to have a, a community garden and everybody wants to join the association to learn how to garden, to be more self-reliant and to partake in all the bounty that that garden provides. You can have an association set up for that. Your association then can't do paint jobs. Uh, or break jobs on the weekends, right? Like it has to be set up for a specific and particular thing. Now, um, you could have an association that's just that an association. You can have some that are more uh, faith-based. You could have a uh, ministry like we have set up. And then you could even go as far as if you really wanted to set up, like, you know, a lot of people want to have more of a religious aspect, more of that protection of freedom of religion. So they set up what we call a free church, which is just a church that's not, you know, not incorporated or registered anywhere with the state. Hmm. Interesting. Um, you've mentioned like it, it provides protection under the Constitution because of the First and Fourteenth Amendments. Um, in what way is it different than an individual who has protections under the constitution? Because I've seen, you know, people's constitutional rights get trampled all over the place. Oh yeah. Um, yeah they so, do so constantly. What, because... Yeah. So what's, what's, what's like, uh, um, attractive about creating a PMA and having, I guess, uh, more people in involved in it. Um, like what's, what's the attraction there? So I guess the attraction is, you know, individually, yes, we have all of our, 
un unalienable rights that are, you know, are protected through the constitution that were given to us from, you know, for me, God, it could be a higher power, greater creator, however you want to look at it. But when it comes to the right of association, it's that, you know, we're not lone wolves. Like we like to be around other people for the majority. We like to have that connection. We like to have that community. And as we saw through the pandemic, there there was a lot of, hey, you can't do that. You have to hug somebody through a plastic sheet or, you know, drive by for a birthday and honk your car, like ridiculous stuff. So when people start to understand that you you have this right of association and if you can show that you have your, your founding documents, which would be your bylaws, your articles of organization, you know, you're setting up, I hate to use the word corporation, but you're setting up an entity and it needs to be run a certain way. And that gives you your standing when you're tried in court. So you can look at different court cases that back the right of association and you can say, no, I, I, don't, I don't care what you say. I'm meeting with my members, you know, and the and two of the key words are you're not open for public accommodation. You have exclusivity to who your members are. And when you have that, even though you have your individual rights coming together as a collective whole, you have this right of association that you can stand upon and you can't be pushed around and say, no, you can't meet, you can't get together for a cookout, you can't do this, you can't do that. And I think that's where the attraction comes to. And then within that association, not that associations are set up primarily for any type of commerce, but then commerce naturally takes place within that association. So within our association, I have a lady who makes sourdough bread in her house and I use Liberty Dollar Financial Association, which is another association with Wayne and Kathy Hicks. Um, out of, I always forget, North, South Carolina, one of the Carolinas. And um, I've done work with them for a while, but they do everything. They have an association that's set up for banking purposes, but set up with backed by silver. So I'll literally send, you know, a half ounce of silver digitally, or I'll give her, you know, uh, the paper form and she'll make sourdough bread for me. And I take it, my family and I eat it. And it's not going through any FDA or USDA nonsense. I know she could have 30 cats in her house and that's my decision to contract with her to be able to buy that bread. Cause I like the way she makes it. And that's really how things should be for us. Like, you know, the government overreaches so much. And again, people say, well, isn't it, you know, contradicting because you were in the air force and you have a, a, a state law enforcement job. Yeah. I've seen that side of it and I'm not really happy with the way things are done. And I can't even tell people with a good heart these days. Yeah. You should join the military. Cause it's such, it's such a mess right now. And, and all the wokeness and everything they're doing, like I'm almost embarrassed sometimes to be like, this is our fighting forces, but I digress. So anyways, it's uh, I think that's the, uh, the reason why people really want to either start an association because they want to say either they're homeschooling or, you know, I set up one for some homeschoolers that, that participate in sports and they really wanted to be able to say who they could let in their association and who they don't let in. And, you know, you're, you know, you could have a common thing like, Hey, we want people that want to, you know, have some belief in a higher power and not be, uh, is this going to be on YouTube? I don't want to get you booted off YouTube if I say certain things. So, dude, we're going to get booted off YouTube with anyways. Here, okay, yeah. I so, so I'm always fighting that fine line. So <laughs> you're not a Jabberwocky, I guess is the best way to put it, right? <laughs> like you could say certain, like these are our standards. Now, um, again, even with associations, depending on the type you have. So there's what you'll hear is intimate association and expressive association. Those are two terms that if anybody is 
setting up an association need to know that intimate association is a smaller association. Think of it as kind of like a family. It's really tight knit, maybe a hundred, 200 people. There's not really a, a limit. It just, you know, when you look at the, the legal aspect of it, it just says, you know, intimate association and expressive association, your expressive association is more of your larger association. So think of like any type of political movement, any type of political pact or anything like that, or where there's a very, very large group. So like your, um, attorneys part of the bar they're an association the boy scouts of america are an association that would be more of an expressive just like the naacp is an association that would be more of an expressive association as opposed to like liberty house or east coast pma which would be a more of an intimate association because of the number of members and with that you've seen you see different court cases where um and a lot of the stuff you can find on my website, but there's one about the JCs, which I can't remember the exact time frame now in the thirties, forties, somewhere around there um, where they were a political group of young men and basically didn't let any women in. And then as different uh, branches started opening up in different areas, they started letting women in and some, and so basically they were told, Hey, you can't discriminate against women because you're such a large organization as opposed to your smaller groups where you can have that type of um, selectivity to who your members are. And um, so there, and this is the thing, like you, you can watch a hundred videos on YouTube and you're going to see a lot of the same people regurgitate a lot of the same nonsense. And mm. you're going to see them tell you, you can do whatever you want. You can do this, you can do that. And that's really not the case. So um, it's really important, you know, as your viewers are watching, whoever they work with, if they decide they want to get an association to really make sure you're, you're talking to somebody that actually knows what they're doing and they're not just regurgitating something that somebody else put out there. Um, there's a few videos that I self I have done. And then there's a group of ladies that I work with. Uh, we actually started the PMA manifesto and it's just the PMA manifesto.com. And we really brought like these 12 myths to the forefront of associations like uh, you know uh, there's there's a bunch of them but the biggest one is like uh if you have a 508c1a you're tax exempt and um we just really kind of blew that out of the water and a lot of people weren't happy with us but um you know the the, the two angelas and erica that i work with over there are really good in what they do and so for the longest time even i kind of fell into this and because the person i believe was a in a position of authority talking about this, I was like, yeah, okay, that kind of makes sense. And then as you look at it, you're like, yeah, no, that that's not how it works. And really you'll have companies that set up these 508, they call them entities or churches. And really a 508 isn't a church or an entity or any of that. It's just tax code. And basically that tax code just says, if you're a church, a synagogue, a mosque, um, an integrated auxiliary or an association of churches, if you meet the requirements of a 501c3 as a church, you're automatically tax exempt. And so they manipulated this to make it sound like if you had any faith-based organization, you were tax exempt. And, mm. you know, um, that's just one of the things, you know, it's the, unfortunately there's people out there that prey on other individuals who are looking for answers and ways to be able to live a more free life within the society that we live in. And they end up getting bad information, but, I don't, I'm sorry, man. I don't even realize what the, what your question was. I kind of just rambled on there. <laughs> no, sorry. it's good. It's all good information. It's all information that people need to know and people want to know. Um, so I have a question. The, so the lady who bakes the sourdough bread for y'all and yep. you, you buy through, through the PMA, 
if she were to she would she be allowed to sell that bread to somebody outside of the PMA? Oh, sure, she could, but um, you know, then you're you're putting yourself a little bit more at risk, I guess, because um, you know, when a member signs an agreement, they're basically saying, "Okay, listen, I know I'm joining this association or this ministry, whatever it is. We'll just use association as a catch-all." And there's certain ways of handling disputes. So there's, you know, alternative dispute resolution, whether it is set up for uh, binding or non-binding arbitration uh, or some type of mediation. So like if I happen to get sick or there's, you know, uh, a bunch of cat hair in it, you know, cause she has 30 <laughs> cats, not that she does, but let's just say that was the thing I could say, Hey, I'm not really happy with this and, and what have you. So, yeah, I mean, anybody's free to, you know, have transactions or, you know, um, be in commerce with with anybody else, but within the association, it's it's all private. So when I let's say example pay her and silver, that I doubt she's reporting it anywhere. Just as if I was to pay her with cash, you know, just like your average bartender or waitress, they only claim what's normally on their W twos, and then the rest right. that you know just goes in their pocket. So you know, again, associations aren't necessarily set up for commerce, but commerce naturally happens or transactions naturally happen within the members. So again, if I know somebody mows lawns and has a lawn care business with my association, I'm going to contract with them before I go find somebody outside of the association because you want to kind of keep those funds within the community and that's how everybody kind of grows. Um, now, again, you know, there are liability wise, depending on what state you're in, again, you know, the association can sue and be sued or it falls on the trustees. And then if whoever's setting up the documents for somebody. And again, you don't need to hire anybody. Like you could write this stuff on a bar napkin if you wanted to. And really it's just bylaws, articles of organization and a membership agreement. But you need to have certain things in there because my goal setting this up for somebody is I want everything to be handled in-house as much as possible before it ends up in the court system. And mm -hmm. if it were to go, let's say you and I had a disagreement, you're like, hey, I'm taking you to court. I don't like what you did. And we didn't follow the outlines of dispute resolution that are in the bylaws when we go to court i would say hey listen we have this stuff set up we're a private association you know jake didn't want to adhere to this and this needs to happen before you come in court most courts are going to want to see things held within house beforehand just like if it was a moose lodge elks lodge uh vfw uh american um legion all those are a form of association most of those are corporate where they're they're registered and filed with the state and what you're doing with an unincorporated association you're not filing anything with the state so you don't have to deal with all that red tape and all that state nonsense stuff you know as far as filing all of your paperwork you know it's very private nobody knows really for the most part unless they're a member who runs the association because it's not on file anywhere um, so that's kind of like the biggest difference but when it comes to the, the liability aspect of it, like you said, with like the the bread, yeah, she could sell to me and she could sell to somebody else if she wanted to. But again, you know, that's she's taking on a different liability going outside of the association because it's not directly with members. Gotcha. And if she does that and there is a problem and somebody complains and somebody tries to, let's say, sue her, um, would that fall on the PMA or would that fall on her individually? It would be on her individually because it wouldn't have anything, any ties to the association. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, how, like what's the internal politics like inside one of these associations? Like, uh, 
you said you mentioned like there's no one on file that's or no one in charge that's on file anywhere. Um, like how how does it how does it get set up? And um, like for the Libertarian Party, I know it takes us forever to change bylaws and add punctuation and things like that <laughs> at yep. conventions. Like what what kind of po internal politics happens um, within uh, PMA? So this is what's, and I think this is what's really attractive about it is the fact that one, nothing is registered with the state, right? So um, you can, you know, you could sign up for a seven day free trial to Westlaw and you can actually get, um, they have actual, I don't want to call it templates, but an outline of what, in a, like what sections should be in an association. So um, you'll have your bylaws, you have your articles of organization, you have your membership agreement. And basically there's certain sections throughout that that says what your mission statement is, what your objective is, um, you know, what qualifies as a member, um, the member selection process, any type of dispute resolution, how finances are being handled. And then normally um, there's other committees set up within the association. So you have your your founders. So they could, you know, some people like to be called board of directors. Some people like to be called trustees. So you could have your founding trustee and two co-trustees, your board of director, two co-board of directors. I like to see at least three, three to four in a, that kind of oversee the association because I set everything up on a two thirds vote, just like anything else within our political system. So um, normally uh, the trustees are the ones with the voting access or uh, power sometimes. And again, this is what's great about associations. You could say, Hey, listen, I want it to be open up to all the members and you can change that within your bylaws and record it in the minutes of your meeting. So uh, you'll have your treasurer, you know, you'll have um, a secretary set up just like any other type of association or business. And you can set up your meetings either monthly, uh, quarterly, annually however you want and that's the great part of this you, you decide as the trustees the founders putting this together how and when you want to meet and then within that like for us we have an advisory board and our advisory board is made up of our most active members so it takes a little bit of the um i don't want to call it responsibility but pressure off of the trustees so you know the three of us might have other things going on and we can't set up our fall festival so we'll have you know a couple of the um um, advisory board members say, Hey, we're going to take this on, or we're going to do a screening of that. Um, I can't think of that movie that just came out the real Dr. Fauci, you know, you could have, you know, a screening set up at the local movie theater and somebody within that advisory board is going to take on that aspect. So your trustees aren't getting bogged down with everything. And then everything's recorded in your monthly minutes. It's sent out to the members so they can review it just like any type of other association or a group of individuals. And then if like, say we want to change something. So we had, originally we had four trustees. One trustee got really busy, had a lot of stuff going on. So he asked to uh, be removed and we said, sure, no problem. So, you know, we called our, our meeting to order. We covered all the old business. New business was, you know, this one member as a trustee wanted to be removed. We brought it up. We voted on it. It was unanimous because obviously we don't want to keep somebody there if they don't have the time or energy. So we said, hey, no problem. We'll remove you. We left that seat open and we sometimes rotate other members through so they can kind of see how the other side of things work and the back end of it. And then uh, that's pretty much it. Um, you know, dispute resolution wise, we haven't really had any disputes to come up. Um, you know, there's other associations that I never didn't necessarily set up, but people have reached out to me and said, Hey, listen, uh, you know, we have one trustee that's not acting in the best, um, 
the best way for the association. They have opposing views. They're they're being very toxic. I said, all right, so just get together and vote it out. And if you want, bring in all the other members. Again, it's your association. Run it how you want. There's nobody that's telling you anything. And, you know, I think that's one of the big aspects that people like about it. Outside the fact you don't have to file anything with the state. Usually the only time anybody sees your bylaws, your articles of organization is or your membership agreement is, one, if you're being challenged by the state. And we see that a lot with more of the associations that are set up for education. Uh, or if you're going to get a uh, checking and savings account for the association. And unfortunately, as much as I hate to say it, uh, Bank of America is really good when it comes to associations, unincorporated <laughs> associations. Uh, I wish it was more of the local credit unions, but um, you know we've seen a, a better uh, response with Bank of America. But like for ourselves, we do stuff through Living Dollar and we use crypto. So uh, that way there, it's a little bit more private as far as transactions and that sort of thing. Interesting. Man, these seem very cool and something that I definitely didn't know about until Elizabeth told me who you were and what you did. And so it's... And it's uh, crazy because they've been around for so long. Like, you know, it's not like it's something new. Like, I mean, even... And again, certain things get bad raps. Like, yes, you can find information in court cases. You can go to Google Scholar and look up court cases of unincorporated associations or PMAs. Uh, something else I also like is in unincorporated business trusts, which came out of Massachusetts in like the 1700s. But like if you go to the IRS website, they'll say those are a fraud because obviously people are trying to avoid paying taxes. And whether you use an S-Corp, C-Corp, proprietorship, LLC, and you try not to pay taxes, you're going to get caught eventually. And uh, as much as I'd like to be a tax protester i just don't have the time to study that right now but you know <laughs> uh, anything can be used for evil and, and and wrong so like again when it comes to the associations there's still laws in place that you have to follow for the better good of society so like i and, and some of the examples i use is like i can't set up an association to sell fentanyl i can't set up an association to run a brothel here in connecticut because i'm not in nevada and it's illegal you know um and that's where we've seen a lot of some of these cases have failed whether they're set up as a church or a PMA. So, for example, there was a church that was set up, and um, I'm not sure if this court case is on my website or not. It might be. But basically, this, these people set up this church, and they were taking in all these donations and money, but they were using it for self-inurement. So basically, they were taking all the money in, and they were buying up properties or cars, kind of like what Black Lives Matter did over the last couple of years, where they started buying up all this property for the people that were running it. Um, so we've seen those, you know, if you're not following and doing things properly, then you're going to fail. Same thing with a couple of associations. You know, one guy said he was a chiropractor, never went to chiropractor school. You could really hurt somebody adjusting him if you've never gone to school. So the state shut down what he was doing. Why? Because he could cause harm to somebody, whether it's intentional or not. And then we've seen others where they've made like, you know, medical devices in their basements and they've tried to say that they're only selling it to their members. Again, it's never been tested. Like if you want to sell elderberry syrup to your members, you know, honey and onion mixture, you know, for cough and, and antibacterial stuff, you can do that. It's been around, it's natural. But when you start like concocting things in your basement in the middle of the night, it's not going to fly, right? You know, and one of the court cases that everybody in the association world or PMA world is following right now is Amos Miller out of Pennsylvania with his association. He's got Robert Barnes as his attorney right now. Things are looking really good. And, you know, he had a huge association. I think he had like 12, 1300 people. And, you know, he was selling, you know, his products across state lines and stuff like that. And that's where the USDA came in and said, 
you know, mm-hmm. you can't do that, even though they're only supposed to be checking labels and making sure what's on the labels is factual. But, you know, hopefully his his pans out and he wins. It looks like it's going that way. Um, I haven't heard any updates within the last like four months. But again, once that pans out, you know, if anybody's watching, check out Amos Miller. You know, he did, uh, you know, Amish, uh, Amish farmer who, you know, just wants to sell natural beef and vegetables and chicken and eggs to people that aren't tainted with chemicals because even the stuff we buy that it's organic if it goes through any type of usda processing system those usda processing systems have all those chemicals in it that is getting into the meat regardless and you know again it's you know we should be able to choose what we want based on our needs and hopefully that uh that really pans out because if that does that's going to be a a huge landmark case for the right of association Um, what, uh, that was my next question is like, if you have members that are in separate States or you do business across state lines, you said different States treat PMAs differently. So how does that work within a private membership organization association? I mean, for me, it, it would work based out of the state you're in, but I haven't had, like, I have members that are part of, part of East coast PMA from here connected all the way out to hawaii and i consult with them for setting up their associations i haven't met anybody outside of amos miller um who's sold across state lines for you know uh, livestock products so i really don't know how to answer that question because i haven't had a dog in that fight yet um thank god uh but um i mean most of your associations the ones that i set up and the ones that i've helped deal with the local government have all been super hyper local. So it's, you know, Mm -hmm. within a County, within a town. Um, Sometimes it might be like, I've set up a couple out in uh, Oregon and uh, Washington state where they had, you know, good parcels of land where they've done like hunting. So people come out and they hunt and they also do butchery. So like somebody might go out with them to get a moose and then they butcher it for them and they take it back with them. And so, yeah, that person's coming from a different state, but while they're in that state, they're a part of that association. It's not really a big deal, but with what Amos Miller is doing, I haven't run into anybody or helped anybody that has had to deal with that level of, you know, across state lines with, with such large stuff. Cause again, most of your associations are set up. They are that hyper local within that local town or County, or maybe a span of two or three counties, but they're usually all within the same state. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I guess final question would be like, who, who would you suggest start a PMA? Like what type of person or who would you suggest definitely not start one? If you have everybody should start one. No, I mean, it would be great to see more PMAs like here in Connecticut. We're starting to see a lot more um, associations that are, are um, what we would call a ministry that are more uh, ministerial in their actions. Um, And that's just because here in Connecticut, we have a state statute that basically says if you have a religious organization, or ministry or church that provides education to its children's member or its members, children's rather um, you're not regulated by the state. So Connecticut and like six other States are very lenient in that aspect. There are other States like Hawaii, Indiana, where I'm helping some ladies right now um, where it's a little bit more of a challenge. There's more hoops to jump into. Like Indiana is really weird. Um, They want you to be registered and they even want you to be registered with Homeland security, which doesn't make any sense to me, but that's a whole nother 
ball of wax when it comes to an uh, a ministry or unregistered ministry. Um, but like in Hawaii, you can have a religious organization that provides education to the members' children's children, and you don't have to be registered or licensed rather if you teach the Hawaiian language. So as long as you have somebody teaching the Hawaiian language in your school, you don't have to be licensed. So it's and my thing is I'd rather fight smarter than harder. So if I don't have to go into court and fight on my constitutional rights and my right of association, if I can find something like here in Connecticut, you have a, a religious organization and you're only providing education to your members' children, then you don't have to be licensed. And as long as your members know you're not licensed, you're good to go. And so we've we've fought a couple here um, and we've won just by, you know, saying, hey, here's our documents. Here's what we're doing. And so like the lady in Hawaii, you know, they're still pushing because Hawaii is Hawaii. And, you know, I said, you know, hey, we're, we're going to you're going to fight based on this. And you have somebody teaching the Hawaiian language. So, you know, they're just trying to flex their muscles. So um, I would think that the people who should have associations or anybody that's looking to come together for a common goal as long as you can articulate what that goal is uh, and it's not very vague, it's very precise and, um, and uh, defined, that would be great. And you can definitely have an association where you, the things you can't have an association for, and this is a lot of the, the information you're going to hear out there is that, oh yeah, you can have an, inf- you know, an association for that. You can do this. You can do that. If you are an electrician, you're a plumber. If you have real estate and rentals and Airbnb or, uh, you have something that requires the general public to come in on a daily basis, an association will not work for you. Like it's very, and I do real estate here in Connecticut. I have people ask me all the time, well, I want to do an Airbnb, but I want it to be in a, uh, an association. I said, okay, so how are you going to advertise for your association? Cause you can't be on Airbnb because now that's a public thing. And what you're doing is, is considered private. You know, it'd be like, you know, if, you know, Jake, you were coming out to Connecticut and I said, yeah, I've got a, I've got a, you know, you know, a tiny home you can rent while you're out here. That would be a different story because we know each other as opposed to you going online, trying to find it. So there are certain aspects where it doesn't work. And I've told many people, I'm like, just have an LLC, just have a sole proprietorship. You're still going to pay less taxes in the end than anybody that's a W2 employee, but you are going to be under a little bit more scrutiny. Um, And there are things, you know, that people can do where they have, LLCs that manage a PMA. So you kind of have the best of both worlds, but that's a whole nother, whole nother ball of wax and story. But um, yeah, I mean, if you have a common goal, if you're looking to, you know, I mean, the, where we, where we really see them is for community-based stuff and religious and education. So if you really want to build a community, you really want to, be more self-sufficient, self-governing, more self-reliance, then that's where we see a lot of the associations come in. And, you know, we've done that with Liberty House. We've I've helped others set stuff up. But again, like I've set up butcher shops and these individuals have farms and people either bring their livestock to them to butcher or they go on site to homesteads to butcher. But the whole purpose of them joining that association is they want to learn how to butcher smaller animals themselves. They want to see the process. They want to be more hands-on. It's not like you're just bringing it to a local butcher, dropping off and leaving. There's more of that educational aspect to it. And I think that's what makes the association so appealing is not only, you know, can I learn something, but now I'm also connecting with other people that have that same like-mindedness that want to do the same things that I want to do, or, you know, 
I mean, heck, you could set an association up that's all about conspiracy theories, and you guys get it together every night and talk about conspiracy theories. It's whatever you want. To. I mean, you'd probably be right about everything, but again, it's one of those things where you can set those things up and say, hey, listen, this is why we're coming together, you know, and it could be very, you know, you could have many different things under one thing, like what we're doing with Liberty House. We have our religious talks monthly. We do our potlucks and our members meetings, and we do homeschooling, and we do like we've done different preparedness classes and stuff like that. Like one we did, we took a five gallon bucket, turned it into a, a wash machine with a, a old school plunger. And we just did one that was for mead making, you know, Hey, listen, if you know how to make some mead with some honey, who cares if the world falls apart, at least you'll be able to get a good buzz on, you know? So it's just, <laughs> it's just those things where, you know, it's really almost limitless in what you can do as long as you're doing it properly and you're not infringing on anybody else's rights. Wow. I love it. Thank you so much for giving us some info on this. Um, really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you having me. Absolutely. Uh, can you tell people where to find you, where to look up your information and that kind of stuff? Yeah. So uh, you can find me at eastcoastpma.com. There's also a Facebook group. There's a Telegram group. Uh, you can find those links usually through Rebel Alliance is my YouTube channel where we talk about associations and different legal aspects of it. Uh, you can also go to the PMA manifesto.com. You can get um, a bunch of stuff over there and we're actually getting ready to release over there a DIY template. So if you're really hands-on and you want to do it yourself, uh, it's definitely more cost effective that way. And then we also offer um, consulting sessions. So if you should need help and stuff like that, uh, I believe my stuff's on Rumble too because it automatically populates from YouTube. Odyssey, I'm on there. I haven't updated lately. And there's also a podcast uh, called The Rebel Alliance, which once I finally move into my new house, my home studio will be set up and I'll be out of this office space. I'll be able to actually get more stuff done because sometimes it's tough with the five kids and the wife and work and stuff <laughs> like that. But um, I bet so. yeah, this is great. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. And anybody out there who's watching or listening, um, if you found any of this interesting, go visit his websites. Um, go to lpgeorgia.com to learn more about Libertarian Party of Georgia and um, how we're implementing freedom and liberty, liberty across our state. Um, yeah, make sure to tune in on Thursday nights for Liberty Libations, 8 p.m. live show for two hours where we get into conspiracy theories and dive into all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah, that's it. We'll see you next week on the Free Georgia Podcast. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.